Doesn't matter what you did, where you were. If you go out there, you are an adventure. Experience the motion picture event critics are calling epic in every sense of the word. You get one shot of this. They haven't invented a screen big enough for Avengers Age of Ultron. Not one of us can do it without the others. It's an exhilarating experience. You won't have more fun anywhere. Show them what we got. Avengers Age of Ultron. Rated PG-13. Now playing. Hello folks, this is Rico, and you are listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Today is uh, May 9th, 10th, 10th. <laughs> it is, yes, it is uh, May 10th, and it's Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. This is podcast uh, 538. Uh, today we're going to look at a TNG episode called Realm of Fear, talk a little bit about uh, Avengers Age of Ultron since I haven't had a chance to share much of what I thought of it uh, and uh, a bunch of other stuff so uh, hey let's do this hello everyone and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast Scotty beat me up fascinating Stand by to receive our transmission. Well, again, greetings to uh, the podcast, everyone uh, who is listening. This is Rico, your host, and welcome back to long-time listeners, short-time listeners, medium-time listeners, everyone in between. Uh, I appreciate uh, you guys uh, sticking with the show. If you've been around a long time or newcomers, thanks for checking us out. Uh, this is your uh, weekly dose. <laughs> Always tricky to get started sometimes, even after all these years. A uh, weekly dose of geeky goodness, yes. And I am a geek, a nerd, uh, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, I I think I recently posted something on Facebook. Uh, there was somebody asking about what do you want to be called, like a nerd or a geek. And I want to. I I think I said something like I want to just be a, called a fan because uh, there are so many different things I am a fan of. Uh, in, in this uh, genre and even outside the genre, I mean, I love movies, books, television, and sci-fi and fantasy and collecting and costuming and convention going, just just uh, yeah, and comic books. Comic books are on the on my mind a lot lately with the Avengers film, and I've read comics since high school. It's just a, a ton of stuff to be a fan of, and it's nice to see that there must be and seems to be a lot of other fans out there of this stuff now. I mean, it's doing so well on television, at the movies, it, it just everywhere. You, you really can't turn around without seeing something uh, geeky. And, uh, you know, I think some of it has to do with the fact that we're in this computer internet age. You know, things have kind of caught up to. A lot of what the future and future uh, in uh, what movies and television projected to be in Star Trek. I mean, look at all the things from Star Trek that we we just use in our daily lives now. You know, little things that look like communicators that can connect you to the Internet. You know, your cell phones, your smartphones. 
uh, iPads, tablets. It's just, you know, computers in general and the Internet. It's just a... it's an amazing time, and uh, I love it, and I uh, can't get enough. So uh, uh, it's been a while since I've actually done a, a kind of a routine, uh, regular podcast for all of you. Uh, almost about a month, actually. We've had some special shows last week. Uh, I did a, um, I might as well talk about that now, I did a little video cast for this new Patreon effort that I have uh, started. Uh, just go over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash treks and sci-fi and i'll put links again in the in the notes for this week's show there was a short video cast that i put up about it last week the 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 basics of it are it's a new way to sort of uh crowdfund and fund different efforts that people are doing podcasts video casts oh a lot of different things and 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 what it comes down to uh, i you know i've done different fundraiser things each year usually it's in the fall just ask for direct you know paypal donations but this is patreon the thing about it that i kind of like at least for my my lifestyle for for donating purposes i i find it a little bit easier that this allows you to just donate, you know, like a couple of dollars a month instead of maybe sending off 50 bucks or something to somebody for a podcast or or whatever they're working on, a, a film, uh, whatever. You, you can do two, three, four, five, ten, whatever you feel like per month. And it's, you know, it's pretty, uh, you know, not noticeable, at least in my opinion. I mean, if you've got a job, a couple of dollars a month. It is not really that much generally and, you know, almost invisible. And, and it really does help. You get enough people who listen to your shows doing that. It does help fund things. This will help me pay for hosting the show, distributing the show, equipment. And, and the big thing that I want to use it for that I mentioned on the video cast last week is to I want to revamp the the area that I, I do these shows in, especially when I do video casts. I want to put a few displays up, kind of Star Trek like. I kind of demonstrated. So if you watch the video, it's on YouTube. It's on my Trek SF or is it Treks in Sci-Fi on YouTube? I can never remember. <laughs> I think search for Trek SF, yeah, on on YouTube. But you can just, again, see it on uh, Patreon or go to last week's podcast, videocast it was. But uh, I want to put up some uh, displays that kind of look Star Trek panel-like, and it allows me also to show videos while I'm recording, like movie trailers or clips or whatever. So I think it'll be a lot of fun. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I've been thinking about it for a long time. And I want to just, uh, you know, get some funds to do that. So that's what it is. And I, I really appreciate it if you guys can, uh, you know, a couple of dollars a month, like I said, goes a long way. So uh, those that have donated so far, I, thanks so much for getting things rolling. And I'm just going to keep it going for for a while. And hopefully we'll we'll reach a, um, a nice total per month. That's the way it works per month. And I think they... I think they were, you know, um, whether it's a credit card or PayPal or however you set up your donating, it's just done once a month at the end of the month. So uh, even those that have already done it, I think since it started in early May, you won't even see that couple of dollars uh, taken out until the end of the month. It's either the very end of the month, like the 30th or the 31st or the 1st. I'm not sure when. But that's how it works. Uh, And again, you can set it up with a credit card or PayPal. It's very simple, very secure. And uh, I greatly appreciate it. So um, shifting gears now, let's talk about Age of Ultron. I, I 
saw it. Uh, I've only saw seen it once so far, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Actually, I went Thursday night, which is unusual for me. When a movie opens on a Friday, I tend to see it on opening day. Uh, this time I saw it on Thursday. They used to only show movies uh, that open on Friday at like midnight shows on Thursday. They kind of did that whole thing like, hey, yeah, we're still technically uh, Friday, but you can see it almost like on Thursday. You know what I mean? But they've moved that up. Now you can see these movies usually into the uh, late afternoon, evening of the day before they open, especially big movies like Avengers. They don't do this with everything. but uh, So I think it was a 7 o'clock show that I went to that night. Pretty good crowd. Uh, I think the audience was probably, we were probably two-thirds of the theater full. Maybe it was a really big theater. So, But a pr- pretty, uh, pretty full and uh, a crowd that obviously was into this stuff and that that, you know, enjoyed the, this, you know, certain moments that happened in the movie. I'm not going to give away any spoilers. It's only been a week, a little more than a week since it's been out. But, uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I enjoyed it just as much, I think, or maybe even a bit more than the first one. I've always got a kind of a soft spot, a soft spot, <laughs> uh, for first movies in a way, because they, they sort of establish things. They bring the team together, uh, different little things that happen and though, you know, it's fresh, I guess. So, so the first movie for me has a lot of that going for it. This one, I think is a more interesting and more detailed and involved story and characters that, that things that you see that happen in the movie. I think there's more depth, I guess, is what I'm saying to it. Uh, and the, the team it continues to be a lot of fun to watch them work together and sometimes not work so well together. Uh, there are some things in the comics. Uh, I, I guess I'll mention briefly, and this has been talked about here and there, but you know, there are, there are some changes that they do in these Marvel movies, uh, in all of them, of the, of the characters and what happens of, of these characters versus the way they are in the comics, you know, and these characters have been around in the comics for decades, you know, 50, 50 years or so in the early, I think it was 62 or so, first Avengers comic, if I remember right. Not that I, I read it then or no, but I mean, from, from just reading Marvel comics for, for a very long time. So you've got a, a very, very long established with just issue after issue between the Avengers, all the characters in the Avengers that have had uh, different runs of their own individual books, like especially like Thor, Iron Man, Captain America. There's been Hawkeye books. Black Widow's got a, a, a book. I, I mean, they, they've all they've all got um, you know the Hulk, of course. I mean, they've got there's just a ton of stuff. So to to make a movie out of all that, and you know, you gotta you gotta kind of Take what you want, change things maybe here or there, and do what you you feel you need to do to make a, a solid good movie. I I thought it was great. I I, I think Joss Whedon does what um, some can't do or haven't been able to do with comic book films, and that's it's not just action. People say there's a lot of action in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of action. There has to be. It's the Avengers. They're they're, they're they have to have epic battles, and that, that's just part of it. Uh, but there's still uh, quite a bit of character stuff in these movies, and especially in this one, there's a certain thing that happens. Again, I don't want to give anything away, but uh, you get a little insight into just about all the characters that you wouldn't have gotten, you know, in a in a straight up just action. You know, let's punch some more bad guys or bad robots or whatever. But uh, so uh, with all that said, I think they did a great job. You know, it, it's 
could could things have been tweaked a little different in spots perhaps but uh, you know i am not going to nitpick people don't um people have no concept i think really uh, who get uh who who see a movie and and then just you know proceed to i don't know it, this movie they're really to me i don't see there there's anything much to complain about i guess i i mean it is so big and epic and so hard to make a film of this magnitude and have it come out uh, uh the level and the quality i think that is here that i i I, you know, I, I, I just am impressed and amazed that they can put it all together. It's uh, I work in the um, coatings industry, and, and I've been to automotive assembly plants quite a bit because uh, it's automotive coatings that I work on. And I, this is I'm getting to an analogy here. Yes, they're all everybody's asking why is Rico talking about cars and 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 paint? Well, I, I, when I go into an automotive assembly plant, I, I I've always been surprised and somewhat awestruck that all these parts from all these different places come into this place and somehow you get a car you know spit out at the other end of it and you put in a key and you turn it and it works and it usually works pretty darn well for the most part and things happen there are glitches you know nothing's perfect but it's a complicated piece of machinery it's and people don't also realize how much goes into that. If you're in the in, inside the inner workings, and since I followed movies for a very long time, I know how hard and complicated these things are. So I, 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 I am somewhat, uh, I don't know uh, if it's accepting, but I, I, I completely understand. You know that they, they come up with their vision and then they, uh, and then they execute it. And you may not like everything that they do, but they're the guys doing it. So uh, I, I think that this they did a good job. I think Marvel continues to make some of the most fun comic book-related films and TV shows out there. And uh, I'd like to go see it again. I probably will go see it again later this week. So I think I, I need to take a break from Avengers, though, because <laughs> we've got a lot to cover. I'm going to do this TNG episode. And we also have a musical interlude here from... Vartok uh, about Age of Ultron. So this is a good place to slip that in. I think it's about six or seven minutes long. I'll come back, talk a couple other little stories that I want to share and talk about, and then we'll get into the TNG episode. So here's a Vartok with uh, a music uh, segment on Age of Ultron. everyone, this is Vartok again, with another Treks in Sci-Fi music moment. One soundtrack and a few words. For today's moment, I'm going to talk about track number 29 to the latest Marvel blockbuster film, Avengers, Age of Ultron. First, a little bit of history. Back in 2012, A-list composer Alan Silvestri created the score for the first Avengers movie titled simply, The Avengers. However, he did not get the nod to compose the score to Avengers Age of Ultron. And in March of 2014, Brian Tyler was assigned to compose the score, replacing Silvestri. This would not be Brian's first time out with Marvel, having already scored the two films Iron Man 3 
and Thor, The Dark World, both in 2013. Brian states that the Ultron score pays homage to John Williams' score for Star Wars, Superman, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, and references the scores for the Iron Man, Thor, and Captain America films in order to create a similar musical universe, saying that's the goal for sure. You have to build in nostalgia and do it up front so you can relate to it. If you want to know more about Brian Tyler's music, listen to my Treks and Sci-Fi guest podcast about Brian in podcast number 485. Interestingly enough, however, when you look at the 29 tracks for Age of Ultron, you see that another A-list composer, Danny Elfman, completed 11 of the 29 tracks. It just so happens I also provided a guest podcast about the music of Danny Elfman in podcast number 519. So here it is, the two of my favorite composers have collaborated to work on the same film. It would be interesting to know the backstory to how these two came to collaborate on Age of Ultron. Now before I pick a track for a music moment, I listen to all the tracks out loud first, assigning a rating between 1 to 5 stars, per the iPod method. After rating Age of Ultron, I discovered I had assigned 5 stars to only 3 of the tracks. And guess what? They were all Danny Elfman tracks. Does that mean I'm partial to Danny Elfman? Or is he just the better composer? Certainly that is a subjective judgment. In any case, Danny's contribution was to use Silvestri's theme for the first Avengers film to create a new hybrid theme. So here is my selection for this music moment, the last track, number 29, by Danny Elfman, titled New Avengers. Listen to how it starts out slow and tentative, and then starts to build like a new morning. By 30 seconds in, the energy starts to build to a crescendo, and a wondrous martial sound with a chorus building up. By then it becomes a confident statement about the Avengers, full of strength and character and victory. I think you'll have to agree it's a great track, courtesy of the genius of Danny Elfman.
I hope you enjoyed this music and sci-fi music moment. And now back to you, Rico. Okay, thanks, Vartok, for that great music segment. Very timely, very appropriate about uh, the music of Age uh, from Age of Ultron. Uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the music. I, I, I think sometimes the music in films these days doesn't have quite the impact it used to have on me, at least. Uh, but this one I thought was good. I like the that kind of epicness of it and the themes that they use. But uh, uh, again, thanks for doing that, Vartok. Very, very timely and very appropriate. All right, a couple other things. We lost uh, another member of the original Star Trek cast, uh, Grace Lee Whitney, who uh, played Yeoman Rand in just a, a handful of episodes in season one, but made definitely made an impression. Uh, she played Yeoman Rand. Grace Lee Whitney passed away about a week ago, approximately. I think it was uh, May 1st, so a little more than a week ago. She was 85 years old, and uh, she's actually from my hometown of Detroit, so uh, she will be missed. Uh, somebody put up a graphic uh, about the people from the original series of the cast that are left. Of course, we have William Shatner still uh, around. We have Walter Koenig, Chekhov. We have George Takei, Sulu. Uh, and is that it, I think? I'm not missing. Oh, sorry. Nichelle Nichols, of course. Uh, Uhura is still with us. Uh, but, you know, we've lost McCoy, Spock, Scotty, um, Grace Lee now, Nurse Chapel. Yeah, it's, uh, well, you know, the show was done in the 60s. So um, it's 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 getting, uh, getting along. You know, we're having the 50th anniversary in 2016. And I saw an article online just recently. You know, there's been a lot of... Hype, of course, for Star Wars. We had Star Wars Celebration not too long back. I didn't even actually get a chance to talk much about that. How about that uh, new teaser trailer? Uh, I know there had been a lot of reaction to it. I've, I've put a few things up on the Facebook group, and it, it was great. I mean, come on. Han and Chewie at the end there were home. It's just It just gets me going, and I know there's people who don't want to like buy into the hype. They'll say, "Ah, oh, it's just hype. It's you know, everyone's just nostalgic and it's hype." But I, I keep myself pretty grounded. I'm excited for it, but I know J.J. Abrams will do a good job, or I'm sure has done a good job. Uh, I guess you could kind of say it that way. It's been filmed, of course. They're putting it together still, but uh, I, I, I've almost always enjoyed what he did i thought star trek he did a good job with that it's quite a bit different than what we've seen before in trek but i still enjoyed it uh is is that i mean some people there there there's a different kind of way of looking at these things and i i tend to look at them as kind of individually is it was it an enjoyable experience is it you know were those movies you know exactly star trek eh, no they weren't but they were enjoyable they made pretty good money they're doing a new one for next year uh i guess the tentative title that's being tossed around is star trek beyond i don't think that's been officially confirmed yet uh, that'll be out in july of uh, 2016 but this article mentioned you know how much all the star wars everything is getting a lot of hype we've had uh, some other movie announcements uh boba fett i guess is going to get a movie uh, they've, of course, uh, we have episode seven in December, The Force Awakens, and then eight and nine coming. Uh, it's all kind of planned out. So uh, everyone's saying, oh, Star Trek's kind of not, not getting the attention it should. Maybe. Um, but again, I still think we're going to get a TV show here in eh, maybe within uh, 
the next uh, year to two, two years, I'll say. I think uh, maybe I'm going to predict 2017. I don't think it'll happen before uh, the movie comes out next summer. Uh, so it'll have to be after that, which will put it into probably 2017 or so, which sounds still like a long way since we've had a Trek series. But I I think that they need to do something drastically different. I, I, ha- I think they need to go really out there into the future even further. I think they should they should jump way ahead of, from like the next generation and, and and Voyager and those eras, and you know at least another hundred years beyond that, just like they did with TNG versus TOS. I think uh, it's important to continue to push the boundaries of the tech. The you know they they even said this about Enterprise how it looked more advanced than the original series, even though it was set before it. I think. With given you know computers and electronics and 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 everything that they can do these days, I I think they just need to go beyond. I like Star Trek Beyond, right? Um, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I again, it's a golden era, golden age of TV and movies for geeks. So uh, I, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to seeing what people come up with. Uh, it's always fun and interesting, and I think uh, I'm hopeful to uh, to see some cool stuff. So, all right, let's just, uh, jump over to, I think that was all I had to say. Oh, if you're a gamer, uh, go over to uh, GOG.com, good old games, GOG.com. You can pick up some of the uh, older Star Trek uh, games now that will run on your current PC. You know, they've been... These are some classics like the 25th anniversary Star Trek game and a bunch of others. Great stuff, very inexpensive, really, and a lot of fun to play. So check that out when you get a chance if you're a gamer. And I think that's about it. Yes, we're going to have some more Trek films soon from Star Trek Continues. I think one at the end of this month will be released. So lots of cool things coming on the Star Trek front, obviously beyond Star Wars and a lot of other movies coming. Tomorrowland at the end of this month, that looks great. Uh, We're going to have that uh, Mad Max movie next weekend, which I'll probably see uh, probably next weekend. And uh, oh, by the way, one last thing to say before we get into the TNG episode. I will be uh, at next weekend's Motor City Comic Con in the Novi, Michigan area. If there's anybody in the area, I know there was at least one person in the area that I know of that that I'm going to try to meet up with there. Uh, I know we've got some fans that uh, are down in Ohio, but I will probably almost, well, I'm definitely going to go Saturday. I don't think I'm going to go Sunday too. It's a little too much with everything else I've got to do next weekend, but uh, next Saturday, which will be the 16th, yeah. So I should be there the 16th pretty much most of the day, I think. Uh, we've got, um, there's a few people there that are uh, Trek. I think we've got Gates McFadden both uh, and Terry Farrell. I think they're both going to be there. Uh, and, and, and other guests, a lot of people from the Walking Dead cast, actually. Uh, I think Chloe Bennett, who plays Sky from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., is going to be there. So uh, should be a lot of fun. Uh, as always, I'll try to take some pictures, video, and stuff. I have really decided if I'm going to dress up. I tend to, for this one, I tend to just go in uh, regular clothes, we'll call it, and take a lot of video and pictures. And But I'll be doing a video cast for that, uh, I think, the week after, uh, I, after the convention. So uh, I'll try to share everything that I see there with you guys. Okay. Let's go to TNG. I'm going to do the play the episode. I'm going to do the uh, commentary type style. I'll play the TNG episode, Realm of Fear, 
for you, and I will comment as we watch it or you guys listen to it together with me. So uh, here we go. Captain's log, Stardate 46041.1. Okay, here we go with Realm of Fear. USS Yosemite, a Starfleet science vessel sent to the Igo sector to observe a remote plasma streamer. The ship has not been heard from in several days. Magnify. The last report we have says they were observing the streamer at medium range. Maybe they went in for a closer look. Got more than they bargained for. Hail them. No response. Black signs? Our scanners cannot penetrate the plasma streamer's distortion field. Can we track to them out? No, sir. Ionic interference is too heavy. I'll take a shuttle in. Too risky. You could be pulled in, too. Bridge to engineering. Miss LaForge, can we beam an away team onto the science ship? We can beam them over there, Captain, but with all this interference, we might not get a positive lock to bring them back. Commander, if we bridged our transporter system with theirs, we might be able to cut through the ionic field. That's a good idea, Barkley. Captain, I think we can do it. We're going to bridge the two transporter systems. Acknowledged. Meet Commander Riker in transporter room three. Aye, sir. Barkley, I'm going to need a systems engineer on this away team. So, Barkley, well, uh... Ensign Dern to join you. I meant you, Barkley. Shouldn't I stay here and <laughs> set up the remote link? Dern can do that. Come on, let's go. I don't want to go to the other ship and stuff. I'm Barkley. <laughs> Status, Mr. O'Brien. I'll have to send you over one at a time, Commander, because of bandwidth limitations. And the transport cycle will take a bit longer. How much longer? Four or five seconds, about twice the normal time. I'm afraid you're in for a bumpy ride, Commander. What are you... What exactly do you mean by a bumpy ride? Well, there may be a small amount of static charge accumulation. You'll feel a bit of tingling. It's nothing to worry about. Let's do it. Mr. Worf. So we've got Wharf, Crusher, Riker, and Barkley here. We're going to go over and check this Engaging place. Engaging system interlock. Pattern buffers synchronized. Phase transition coils at standby. Barkley's looking pretty, pretty green here, pretty scared. He's there. I'll go next. Engaging interlock, buffer synced, energizing. So Riker and Wharf gone. I'm ready. Engaging interlock, buffers in sync. Oh, wait a minute. I'm reading an ionic fluctuation in the matter stream. Oh, no problem. Okay, energizing. <laughs> Barkley's like holding onto this piece of wall and, and, and just he's sweating like a. <laughs> not happy. Ridge, you're up. Ridge, come on. Hi, sir. Okay, one of the coolest things about this episode is you get to see the transporter function from, your, from a first person point of view from the person transporting, which I think is a very cool Engaging effect interlock. that I would have liked to see a, a, them use a little bit more. Sink. 
face coils are... I'm sorry, I just can't do this. But that happens in a little bit here. So, anyway, yeah, Reg walks off this at the first tier. All right, let's dial it down like I normally do. Okay, let's talk a little bit about the background on this episode from of called Realm of Fear. This episode is from season six, so we're getting towards the end of the TNG run. It is uh, only the second episode, actually, of the sixth season. It first aired back way back on, gosh, September 28th, 1992. <laughs> Written by Brandon Braga, uh, one of the regular writers of TNG and then Voyager later. Uh, directed by Cliff Boyle, another one who directed, uh, or another person working on Trek pretty regularly. So the point of this episode, it's kind of a scary-ish, uh, fear-filled uh, episode about what it means to be uh, transported, you know, what creatures uh, you might run into in the matter stream. And and, it, and it's a, a Barkley episode, which Barkley episodes, for my money, he could have been in every episode because I love Barkley. I love the fact that, and I think this would be good for a future Trek series too, that I love the fact that you, you know, the main cast of TNG, they're all pretty darn, like, heroic, perfect people, you know? I mean, they've got everything, they, they got their bleep together, and they're not really, you, you don't have someone who has doubts and fears and, and second thoughts about stuff, but Barkley is, a, he's more like us, I think, in a way, more like your average person and uh, who doesn't just, you know, dump, jump into danger. So uh, let's go back to the episode here now a bit. You were faced with a difficult transport. Anyone would have been apprehensive in that situation. You tell that to Commander LaForge and the rest of the away team. I'm sure they understand. So Reg is uh, obviously talking to, to Troy here, Counselor Troy, about no. this. Reg, is there something you're not telling me? Actually, it's, this is not the, this is not the first time I've been apprehensive. Every single time that I tried to do it, I had this certain feeling. I guess you could call it mortal terror. Why have you kept it a secret? Why? because my career in Starfleet would be over. That's why. I doubt that. I've always managed to avoid it somehow. You wouldn't believe how many hours that I've logged in shuttlecraft. I mean, the idea of being deconstructed molecule by molecule, it's more than I can stand. Even when I was a child, I always had a dreadful fear that if ever I was dematerialized, that I would Never come back again whole. I know, sounds crazy, but... It's not crazy at all. You are being taken apart molecule by molecule. That's not helping. <laughs> Red, you're not the first person to have anxiety about transporting. We can desensitize you to this type of fear. It's a slow and gradual process, but it works. It does? 
Well, you might first try a relaxation technique like plexing. Plexing? Yes, it's a betazoid method. The next time you feel nervous about transporting, you stimulate a neural pressure point like this. There's a nerve cluster just behind the carotid artery. It stimulates the part of the brain that releases natural endorphins. Plexing sounds easy enough. Here. You know, I, I've, I feel better already. I think I can do this. There's no need to rush. No, no, no. We talked about confronting my fears. The best way out is through. You said that once, remember? I suppose I did. I'm going to beam over there. I can do it. He's tapping the side of his, behind his uh, ear there that uh, Troy showed him. So anyway, there's a science vessel in this. Uh, area that's near this white dwarf star i think it is the uss yosemite that uh that uh, they're no trying to see what happened to them no sign of anyone maybe they abandoned ship unlikely the escape pods are still on board i saw michael dorn acting uh, on a recent episode of castle by the way he pops up there now and then there's no sign of a systems overload blast analysis indicates the explosion originated here in the center of the transport chamber how is that possible? Transporter is still functional. Could they have beamed aboard an explosive device? Commander Riker, could you come here, please? Excuse me. Lieutenant Joshua Kelly. He was the ship's engineer. How did he die? He has second and third degree burns over most of his body, but I don't think they were the cause of his death. I'd like to take him back to do an autopsy. You're sure about this, sir? Sure. Please, proceed. It'll only take a minute. Well, it should be a smooth ride over. Good. Good. Yeah, so uh, Reg actually technically outranks uh, Chief O'Brien, something that's... Uh, I know how you feel about this. It took this, a little uh, extra to establish in this episode. They talked about you're, it in, in something I found you're online. You're afraid of transporting, too? No. Arachnids. Sickening, crawly little things, don't you think? All those legs. Spiders, I, they've never bothered me. A few years back, I was called in to reroute an emitter array at a starbase at Zara 4. Turns out the entire system was infested with Talarian hook spiders. You ever seen a Talarian hook spider? Their legs are half a meter long. Well, I had a choice. Do I walk away and let the emitter blow itself to hell? Or do I crawl in the Jeffreys tube with 20 hook spiders? What happened? It was the hardest thing I ever did. I got through it. After that, I was never quite so afraid of spiders. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know if that helped me, but thank you. Thank you, uh, <laughs> Chief. So Barkley's up now on the transporter pad, of course, tapping the back of his head and trying to get that endorphin release going. And uh, 
but just a stiff drink or two. That'd probably do it. Drinking on duty, maybe not so good, but... Okay, now is where we're going to see this... Uh, So now we're seeing Barkley, the, the transport function from his point of view. And he's back over, or he, he transported over, I should say, to the uh, the other ship, the Yosemite. Welcome aboard. You ready to work? Yes, sir. Good. Why don't you start by downloading the ship's science logs over there? Aye, sir. I like the fact that LaForge is pretty... Uh, he's a good, uh, you know, supervisor for Reg. You know, he, he tries to work with them and still four and members accept, of the crew unaccounted for. You know, the situation and, and not push it. I don't know how it. these fit in, but I found them all around the transporter platform. What are they? They look like pieces of a standard sample container. We'll take these back to the ship and analyze them there. Mr. Barkley, glad you could join us. Me too, sir. are claiming two of their freighters were destroyed by a Cardassian warship in your sector. Is there any evidence to support this? Although I'm loath to believe the Ferengi about anything, there was evidence of Cardassian weapons. If the Cardassians also attacked the Yosemite, it could indicate a large-scale movement in this sector. So, Picard's talking this Admiral, Lady Admiral, the on, on the view the screen. The report indicates there was an explosion on board, but we're not sure it in was his ready room. attack. This is one I'll of the first times you, know. you see an admiral's uniform, if actually, like they, they say in the comments for this episode. Very well. Bridge to Captain Picard. Kind of establishes oh, hey, the look Data. for it. Uh, the away team is returning to the Enterprise, sir. Acknowledged. Have Commander Riker come to my ready room as soon as he's on board. Aye, sir. The forge to transporter room three. I'm ready to go. Stand by, Commander. So, Jordy just left, and I think it's just a Reg that's left now. Barkley to Enterprise. One to beam back. Stand by, sir. Same thing here where Barkley's in the transporter thing, but now this time he's seeing like a, uh, a weird kind of creature, like a little worm-looking thing floating around. See, sir? That wasn't so bad, was it? And it kind of comes at him, like, almost to bite him. And he's looking pretty pale right now, too, of course. Mission logs, science logs, medical logs, they're all scrambled. Looks like the blast wiped out the ship's core memory. We could try to reconstitute the data stream. It's worth a try. Commander, has anything strange ever happened to you during transport? Like what? I don't know. Anything out of the ordinary? No, not really. Uh, this looks hopeless. We're not going to get anything out of these logs. You know, maybe this broken sample container I found can tell us something. 
Let's try to get this thing back into one piece. I mean, have, have, have you ever seen anything? Where? In the, during transport. Sometimes my visor picks up resonance patterns from matter energy conversion. It's actually kind of pretty. Why? I'm just wondering. Because I just saw something, so yeah, I Rick, think it's a little what are you getting at? dangerous out there in the transport. Did you see something stream. during transport? When I was returning to the Enterprise, I could have sworn I saw something in the matter stream. Something? There was phased matter all around, and at first I thought it it, it was some kind of uh, energy discharge, but then. It flew toward me and it touched my arm. How could something be in there? Molecules flying apart, half-phased, I mean? It's impossible, isn't it? Well, we'd better check it out. When we're done here, we'll run a full diagnostic on the transporter, all right? All right. Yeah, Dwight Schultz again as Barkley is is really great. I just um, the confinement beam love again the fact that they've so got the a phase transition somebody who's not completely Pattern perfect on the Enterprise. Litter pads, targeting scanners, they're all working fine. There's nothing this wrong with my transporter. So is the science vessels. Reg, there's a lot of energy floating around in the beam. Maybe you saw a surge in the matter stream. Yeah. I run a scan on the Heisenberg compensators. Oh, no, Ch Chief, you, you've done enough already. That's no problem. Why don't you give me a hand? You know, maybe ignorance really is bliss? Sir? Well, if I didn't know so much about these things, maybe they wouldn't scare me so much. I can still remember the day in Dr. Olofsson's transporter theory class when he was talking about the body being converted into billions of kiloquads of data zipping through subspace, and I realized there's no margin for error. One atom out of place, and poof, you never come back. It's amazing people aren't lost all the time. With all due respect, sir, I've been doing this for 22 years, and I haven't lost anybody yet. Yes, but... You, you realize, if the imaging scanners are off even one thousandth of a percent... That's why each pad has four redundant scanners. If any one scanner fails, the other three take over. Reg, how many transporter accidents have there been in the last ten years? Two? Three? There are millions of people who transport safely every day without a problem. I've heard... Just like problems. flying. <laughs> what about transporter psychosis? Transporter psychosis? But there hasn't been a case of that in over 50 years. Not since they perfected the multiplex pattern buffers. Reg, transporting really is the safest way to travel. But I saw this big worm thing that came at me, and maybe that's what happened to I'd that like to other ship, people. Figure it out. Please. Come on. Yes, Doctor. And now uh, we're down in... Uh, Sick bay here, where Dr. Crusher is examining this one uh, person they brought back, who's pretty badly burned, pretty bad shape actually. It's it's uh, pretty damage uh, to the epidermis only. Initiate a circulatory pretty probe. severe for Trek, really in a way. This guy's uh, pretty messed up.
Dr. Crusher. His heart's beating. Cardio stimulator. Now. It's gone. Neuroelectrical activity in the cerebral cortex. Nothing. Now his respiratory system's active. like somebody or something was making his body do those things not not his body really being alive but going through the motions almost now we're in 10 forward reg is having a some kind of drink looks like it's just a glass of water but he's sitting down looking still pretty unhappy Now his arm is bothering him, and, and he pulls up his sleeve, and it's like glowing with like an energy that fades away. Right where he had kind of raised his arm to protect himself against this creature he saw in the uh, transporter matter stream. So maybe he's not really crazy or imagining things. Maybe something did happen, and. Uh, Water, 10 degrees Celsius. <sighs> Computer, access Starfleet medical database. And uh, tell me about... Um, Describe the disorder, transporter psychosis. Transporter psychosis was diagnosed in the year 2209 by researchers on Delinea 2. No, no, stop. All I need is, what, what causes it? It is caused by a breakdown of neurochemical molecules during transport, affecting the body's motor functions, autonomic systems, and the brain's higher reasoning centers. What are the symptoms? Victims suffer from paranoid delusions, multi-infarct dementia, hallucinations. Hall hallucinations? What, what kind of hallucinations? Victims experience somatic, tactile, and visual hallucinations, accompanied by psychogenic hysteria. Peripheral symptoms include sleeplessness, accelerated heart rate, Diminished eyesight leading to acute myopia. Painful spasms in the extremities. And in most cases, <laughs> Reg is just, dehydration. He's like uh, talking himself Computer. into this almost, you know. he's. What is the treatment for transporter psychosis? There is no known treatment. The autopsy showed residual ionization in every one of Lieutenant Kelly's systems. I think that's what caused the muscular and systemic contractions. From where did the ionization come? There's evidence of electrical burns on the victim's body, as if he was exposed to ionized gas or high-energy plasma. Plasma? There's no way they could have been exposed. It's kind of weird in this Unless scene. It was that matter from the stream. Captain Picard is standing, like, really close to Dr. Crusher. I mean, like... 
pretty much no. like right next to her. Data, what's the report on that armed arm? Container? I, I never really noticed that before. For, for some reason, it just seems strange here. Captain, if there's evidence of similar ionization in those fragments, it could mean that they tried to beam aboard material from the streamer. If the plasma exploded, that would explain a few things. Let me know when the analysis is complete. Aye, sir. So, you know, it looks like, you know, this, um, this little stream from this red giant to this white dwarf, I think that's what they are. They may have tried to transport some of that matter aboard their uh, the their vessel. Patterns, I'd say that the explosive force came from within the container. Hmm. The container does show evidence of residual ionization. I believe your hypothesis was correct. It was used to store high-energy plasma. So they were collecting samples from the plasma streamer, but they had the proper container. <laughs> Reg is he keeps like like Perhaps squinting his eyes and, and checking his pulse and feeling his glands. It's a good idea. We'll prepare a new And Data finally notices Bridge, what he's doing. I don't want to doing. take any chances here. Start setting up a level 5 containment field here in engineering, okay? Bye, sir. Are you all right, Lieutenant? I'm, I'm fine. Yes, thank you. Jordy. Hmm. Lieutenant Barkley appears inordinately preoccupied with his physiological condition. I have seen him check his pulse rate as well as his visual acuity several times over the last 20 minutes. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, so Reg is uh, climbing up into an area of engineering here to, I guess, work on setting up this containment field that Jordy talked to him about. Reg? Yes, sir. You okay? I'm just fine, sir. You look a little pale. <laughs> I do. Look, Reg. It's been a long couple of days. Why don't you get some rest? We got everything under control here. I think I'll do that, sir. Thank you. The force of Counselor Troy. Go ahead, Commander. Counselor, do you have a minute? Lieutenant Barkley, I've been calling you. Why haven't you responded? Reg, what are you doing? I'm walking. I can see that. Where are you going? Nowhere. I just don't get to see these debts very often. Look, there's stellar cartography. I thought that was Deck 11. <laughs> Mr. Barkley. I was having trouble sleeping, and I'm trying to wear myself out. It is a perfectly normal thing to be doing, isn't it? Commander LaForce said you seemed a little nervous this morning. I'm always nervous. Everybody knows that. He also mentioned that you said you saw something in the transporter beam. Well, I was wrong. They checked the transporter and there wasn't. I mean, there was nothing there. I imagined the whole thing. You don't sound very convinced of that. Listen, Counselor, I really appreciate your concern in this matter, but I wish you wouldn't continue with this conversation. I'm really perfectly fine. Mr. Barkley, you're exhausted and highly agitated, and I cannot allow a member of this crew to endanger himself or others. 
I th I'm not endangering anyone else, and I really wish you wouldn't... ...think it would be in your best interest to take a leave of absence. Reg, I'm temporarily relieving you of duty. Fine. Ouch. Fine. Do what you have to do, Counselor. So now we're in our, looks like, yeah, Reg's quarters. Computer, more birds. <laughs> He's trying to sort of meditate. End stress reduction program. Water. Specified temperature. I don't care. Just give me water. Spend maybe just a little too much time on uh, computer. Barkley. Let's try some music. Uh, like something soothing. Well, I, 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 I guess I'm saying that it seems like he would have, with the weirdness with the transporter, maybe would have suspected something more real was going on. But I guess he did. He is kind of a, a little bit of a hypochondriac, and and maybe he expects it's just him that is affected. And he did ask, like, if anybody else, you know, he asked Jordy about the transporter and how, you know, if anything weird happened to him and, and so forth. Now he woke up and his arm is really uh, glowing, kind of this purplish look. And it's uh, hurting him, it looks like. Sir, begging your pardon, but couldn't this wait till the morning? No. Chief, I've just... I've been reviewing the transport logs. What are these... these energy variations that keep appearing? There was one when I was transported to the science ship, do you see? Yeah, they're just, uh... Sorry, they're just ionic fluctuations, a result of our interlock with the Yosemite's transporter system. So a fluctuation occurred while I was inside the matter stream. It's nothing to worry about, sir. I need you to transport me to the science ship and then directly back again. And while I'm in the beam, can you recreate one of those ionic fluctuations? Well, I guess so. But if you don't mind my asking, sir, what for? Well, I mean, I... Commander LaForge wants some tricorder readings on those fluctuations. We can do that from right here. No, I... The, the transporter sensors may not be sensitive enough. Now, I'm giving you an order, Mr. O'Brien. Yeah, there's the... Key thing there. He outranks O'Brien, so. You don't mind my making an observation, sir? You forgot to bring a tricorder. Either there's something in there or I'm going crazy, and I've just got to know. You can understand that, can't you? Yes, sir, I can. Stand by, sir. Pretty bold of uh, Barkley, actually, to go back and do this again. 
So he sees the creature when he's in even the Enterprise room and the other. I want you to wake the senior staff. So he saw it again, then definitely. I saw it again, just 20 minutes ago. It was the same exact thing, just moving around in the transporter beam. Let me get this straight. You think this thing was alive? It, 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 it was dark and distorted, and it had what looked like a mouth. A mouth? I don't see anything wrong with his arm. Reg, why did you wait so long to tell anybody about your arm? Well, uh, I, I thought I was hallucinating, that I uh, had, um, that it was transporter psychosis. But now I know what I saw in there was real. I was the only one who experienced ionic fluctuations in the transport. Maybe that's why no one else saw it. Mr. Barclay, I've been told that you've been under considerable strain during the past few days. So the obvious Isn't thing is send somebody else through the transporter and, and recreate one of those ionic say, fluctuations. I, I know I've been acting strange lately. To see if they you see got it. You to believe me that I would never have called you in here unless I was absolutely certain. Mr. LaForge, get Mr. O'Brien. Take that transporter system apart, piece by piece, if you have to. Mr. Wolf, I want a level three security alert until further notice. Aye, sir. I'll run a microcellular scan of Mr. Barclay's arm. It might take some time, but if there's a problem, I'll find it. Keep me apprised. Dismissed. I'm picking up minute levels of residual ionization from the subdermal tissue of his left arm. The patterns correspond exactly to those we measured in Lieutenant Kelly's body and in the sample container from the science ship. There's no question you have been exposed to the same high-energy plasma they were. So, something did happen to me in the transporter beam. You might have been exposed to something from the science ship. You did say something touched your left arm during transport, and that's exactly where the ionization is focused. Does this ionization pose a threat to Mr. Barclay? It might. I'll have to run a base pair correlation to see if there's any sign of DNA breakdown. Sir, Commander LaForge and I were planning to recreate the circumstances of the explosion on the Yosemite, and that might give us some answers. Permission to continue with the experiment? Granted. Tell Mr. O'Brien to take all the primary transporters offline. I don't want to risk any further contaminations. Make sure you take all the necessary safety precautions. Aye, sir. I'd like you to wear this monitoring device. It will tell me if there is the slightest sign of increased ionization. Yes, Doctor. So, Barkley is not crazy. Structural so, reinforcement uh, is at 240%. And they are starting to get to the bottom of things, field. which is good. Well, that should do it. Okay, Reg, we've locked onto the coordinates of the plasma streamer. Go ahead and beam aboard a sample, will you? Aye, sir. So 
So they're down in engineering trying to basically recreate what the Yosemite did by beaming aboard some of this plasma from uh, the stars. Okay. But they have it in a big containment field, too. Standard analysis begins with a resonance frequency scan. That sounds like a good place to start. Let's do that. Initiating resonance sweep. Frequency range at three. Barkley, check the containment field. So when they started their scan, it blew up inside the containment field, the whole, the whole container and the... The field is at its maximum limit, but it is holding. Is correct. And now he's they down in sick bay and getting microbes up. that exist within the distortion field of the plasma streamer. We didn't detect them until we tried to run the resonance frequency scan. Apparently they didn't like it very much. They shattered the sample container. Which caused a plasma explosion similar to the one on the science ship. Exactly. When we linked up with their transporter system, one or more of the microbes must have gotten into our system. We think they're still caught in the buffer. It might explain what you saw. What I saw was much bigger than a microbe. Normal spatial relationships are often distorted within the matter stream. Your perceptions may have been exaggerated. Some of these microbes are also in your body, Reg. In inside <laughs> me? <laughs> they were like, in Lieutenant Kelly's body as don't well. Don't tell me that, please. The, autopsy. No. the biofilters should have screened them out, but it didn't. The microbes exist simultaneously as both matter and energy. The biofilter cannot distinguish them from the matter stream. Right, but if we held Barclay suspended in mid-transport, at the point where matter starts to lose molecular cohesion... The molecules would begin to emit nucleonic particles. We may be able to derive a pattern the computer would recognize. And then reprogram the biofilters and screen the microbes out. I think this will work, Reg. You suspend me? No, I don't like the sound of this. <laughs> well, we would have to keep you in there for a while. How long? 30, 40 seconds, it's tough to tell. But I think it'd be safe. But if, if, if I'm in the matter stream too long... Your pattern would degrade to the point where your signal would be permanently lost. Well, don't sugarcoat it or anything, but... Uh, but he can't stay After the way he is, you know. so the beam, you may start to feel lightheaded. Try to stay calm. Oh, and it's important not to move around so much. Right. So they're down the transporter. Dr. Crusher's there, sort of to monitor. The pattern buffer. Holding it standby. And they're, uh... You ready, Reg? Got uh, Jordy and Chief O'Brien. Do it, Reg. You can do it. 
energize. The most fearful uh, energize command ever in Star Trek there. So now again, we see this cool vision of Barkley in the matter stream. Molecular resolution of 60%. Engaging static mode. His pattern is locked and holding. Starting biofilter scan. And Reg sees this little worm creature thing again. Some of the comments about this episode were these creatures. The imaging scanners still haven't isolated they, the uh, They were hoping that they were going to be a little scarier looking. The signal resolution is down to 55%. Don't worry, I can hold them together. Looks more like a big, uh, you know, worm with a mouth on the end. Commander, the signal resolution is down to 50%. We need to bring him back. I know, I know. Just give me one more second. We need more dispersion. Increase phase transition frequency. Aye, sir. The imaging scanners are actuating. Got it. Pattern acquisition positive. Programming biofilter. Don't worry, Reg. This won't hurt a bit. So now he sees about, like, three or four of these creature things these microbes or whatever. I'm reading a 92% increase in mass. There's something in the beam with him. Security to transporter room three. Right away. Reg He's sort of a force field around the chamber. reaches out and grabs one of them. And it's a person. That's surprising, huh? There are more crew members in the beam. You have to grab them and hold on. Understood. Follow me. Reg, what happened? Well, when I when I saw that there was uh, more than one of them, I, I thought maybe the other crew were trying to do the same thing that we were. We're infected with something. Lieutenant Kelly tried to reprogram the biofilter. It looks like he pushed molecular dispersion past the integrity point. Your patterns got caught in the beam. The residual energy from the plasma streamer, it must have amplified the charge in the buffer enough to keep your patterns from degrading. There's your weekly techno babble. So now Worf and some security guys go into this transporter and, and pull uh, pull some other people off out of the transporter buffer thingy. <laughs> so Barkley basically Captain's was able to save the, uh, the crew of the, the science ship. The reprogrammed biofilter was effective in removing the alien microbes from Mr. Barkley and the four crew members. The microbes have been returned to the plasma streamer. Oh, they didn't hurt them. They sent them back home. That's good. And now he's intent forward. Hopefully I'll have something stronger than a glass Chief? of water to celebrate. Lieutenant, I'm glad you could make it. You know, I think this is the first time we've ever spoken outside of the transporter room. Well, to be honest, I've always avoided you. Why? Because you run the transporters, and I hate the transporters. <laughs> At least I used to. So what's in the box? I thought you might like to meet Christina. 
Christina, Lieutenant Barkley. It's a uh, tarantula. <laughs> it's your pet spider. Lycosa tarantula. Oh, don't worry, she won't bite. <laughs> and it's crawling across the table towards She's Barkley. Very large. I found her on Titus IV. I almost stepped on her by accident. Oh, I'll get us a couple of drinks, okay? Keep an eye on her, will you? Sure. So Barkley said earlier, remember, he said, I'm not really afraid of spiders, but now this uh, tarantula is crawling up his arm. Ah, uh, Chief? <laughs> I don't like spiders, I'll admit it. It's one of the one of the things I don't don't like at all. So there we have uh, a pretty fun and, and interesting episode, I think, uh, of... I'm going to turn down the uh, credit music here completely. And so we've got Realm of Fear, uh, Season 6 TNG. Let me see if there's any other comments here I wanted to make about this episode from the reference on Memory Alpha. Uh, Jerry Taylor says, This was an episode a lot of people didn't respond to, and they don't know exactly why. Uh I think that uh, actually, I've I've always thought this was a pretty fun and cool episode. I like the idea of digging into the transporter a bit more. People being afraid of it, of course. Classically, you know, in TOS, Doctor McCoy wasn't really a big fan of the transporter, uh, but uh, yeah, I thought it was it was neat and uh, and the idea that these creatures. Uh, were all also kind of hiding in a way in this transporter stream along with this crew member thing was a bit of a surprise. Uh, but uh, yeah, a fun episode. Uh, again, any episode with Barkley to me is a, is a good episode, a lot of fun. And and I, I'm glad you guys got a chance to uh, listen to it while I commented. So uh, I think that's about it. Uh, of course, there's a later episode, Genesis, that Barkley uh, devolves into a spider-like creature. So that kind of relates to the Christina uh, tarantula thing here with uh, Chief O'Brien. I also like to see a little bit more O'Brien, you know, in this episode, which was cool and nice to see as well. So I'm going to take a very short break here. I'll come back and we'll wrap up the podcast for this week. Hi, this is Ashley Victoria Robinson. I play Ensign Williams on the Red Shirt Diaries web series, and you are listening to Rico on the Trex and Sci-Fi podcast. All right, next week on the podcast, you're going to get a guest spot uh, by the Moyers. Uh, Rick and Amy Moyer are going to be here. They do a kind of an annual geeky Mother's Day show. And even though this Mother's Day actually this week, uh, I think you guys will still enjoy listening to that next weekend. So that'll be next weekend for the podcast. Uh, the weekend after that, the 24th, I uh, will be doing that vidcast on the Motor City Comic Con. And the last weekend of this month, the 31st, myself and Chris are going to get together. We're going to talk about the the two very cool CW comic book shows from the DC Universe, The Flash and Arrow. We're going to talk about uh, the, the past season of Flash, the first season of Flash, and the current uh, last uh, most recent season of Arrow, season three that season three that's wrapping up so i think we have two episodes of flash left and just the season finale this week of arrow so we'll have a, a week or two uh, lag after those shows end for the season 
before we'll be doing a podcast about it. So hopefully, even though we'll be doing, um, that'll be filled with some spoilers. If you guys are keeping up on those shows, it won't be that big of a deal. I think that's, uh, that's all I wanted to finish off with, I think. Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this week's podcast. Again, uh, please visit patreon.com slash treks in sci-fi forward slash treks in sci-fi and donate what you can there you can always email me at uh, treksf at gmail.com thanks again to vartok for his music uh interlude this week for the avengers age of ultron and i'll talk to everyone again soon next week again the moyers will be here and i'll be back in a couple of weeks with a video cast from motor city comic-con so until then take care stay geeky and uh have fun and go see age of ultron if you haven't yet it's a really fun movie so i'll talk to you again soon bye-bye so what kind of combat training do you have fancy
This has been a Wego Dusty Podcast production.